we have to push each other up together as a whole, as a one. This is something what a lot of people don't understand, you know, because globally we are still not at a level uh, where, for example, ballet is or flamenco or other certain dances which uh, or Latin dances which uh, enjoy bigger respect and recognition. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Live podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. These days we are definitely going through some challenging and uncertain times. And it's very inspiring to see how our Belladance community activated their energy and forces not only to survive on each individual level, but also to support each other and go together through such tough times. One of the leading professionals who definitely inspires and leads uh, a community by her own example is definitely Jelena. And you know that I personally have huge respect and admire greatly this uh, amazing artist who really contributes a lot to the community in general. As well as I'm very happy to have her as one of our early guests at this podcast and uh, very thankful for her support even to the Baladance Live podcast too. That's why I'm extremely excited to share with you Jelena's new initiative, Together We Move Live. She's partnering with dance studios and dance sponsors around the world to present series of workshops via Zoom. All proceeds go to benefit dance studios and event sponsors so that we may once again dance physically together once it's all is safe. By participating in these workshops, you're getting not only the opportunity to learn from such incredible artists as Jelena, but also to contribute and support other artists and professionals who really suffer and struggle in their activities during current times. At the same time, if you are someone who is affected by pandemic, don't worry, because there are still very affordable options for tickets, so you still can participate in the event. I highly encourage you to take a look and you can find all details at jelina.eventbrite.com. I will put the link in the show notes. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast, another episode, another week. Uh, another portion of inspiration and tips. And today's conversation, I truly believe it's one of those must listen to all ballet dancers. So if you enjoy it uh, as much as I did, don't forget to send to all your friends who may need to uh, listen to it and hear these tips too. Because in this conversation, we covered... uh, both a big scale topic as a belly dancers, as community, and a lot of insights and tips for soloists uh, too. And now today's guest, beautiful Fatima Jones, uh, 
she has not only international career in different projects, but she has also very successful solo ballet dance career uh, in Germany, and not only in Germany, but specifically in Germany, for instance, she's one of the most paid uh, dancers at this point, and she gives so many tips for you guys, for everyone who dreams about... Uh, uh, start performing as a solo at local gigs in your country this will be like one of those treasure episodes so make sure you listen till the end because the second part of the interview was exclusively dedicated just to this topic but before that we also talked about very important um, trends uh, and I would almost say not issues but literally traps uh, that we set for ourselves as a ballet dance community so this is a really insightful conversation and I very happy to present uh, this uh, thoughts for you now to think about and definitely let us know what you think and don't forget to send this interview to your friends for them also to just like to agree or not agree that's a different topic but at least to think about those things and issues and our today's beautiful guest Fatima Jones began dancing as a child in a Turkish folk dance troupe, but at the age of nine she already added jazz dance, hip-hop and Bollywood to her training. After performing at countless stage shows at cultural events, until she was 14 she started making her own choreographies. Her career took her on a big international stage as a background dancer for the shows of big-scale artists, including performing on German TV. As a ballet dancer, she also performed on Turkish TV programs on a regular basis, which led her to work as a choreographer and performer for several Turkish, Persian and Afghan music videos. Fatima is not only internationally acclaimed artist, but she is also an event organizer herself. Her journey brought her all around Europe, Turkey, India, and now all the way to USA. Throughout all these engagements, she never stopped educating herself, as she really believes in continuous growth. And this is something that I believe truly for all of us, something to incorporate in our lives. And hopefully this episode, actually, I'm pretty sure that this episode will also help you on your uh, continuous growth uh, journey too at least to encourage you to think about some topics that maybe you haven't thought about before. So on this note, let's dive right into the interview. How's it going, uh, dear Fatima? How are you doing <laughs> these days? <laughs> Uh, hi, hi, Iana. Um, I'm doing just like so many other dancers and artists in the world doing at the moment of Corona times. Uh, little scared, little worried, little frustrated, but at the same time, extremely positive and trying to believe that everything's going to be good again and that, um, you know, believing that people will realize uh, without artists and without dance and music, the world is boring and we will be hired and active again. So I'm waiting for those days. Oh, <laughs> but I know they're coming. That's such a cool uh, reminder. And like, yes, not only uh, without uh, freedom to, to go just out and do whatever we want, but actually without uh, art. Uh, uh, that's yes. quite a different world. That's so true. <laughs> yes. 
So speaking about art, I would love to start our conversation uh, going back in time and to the very beginning of your journey. Um, I kind of assumed that probably dance and music, it was all your life <laughs> uh, in your like day-to-day um, life and environment. But I would love to ask, um, when was the transition that you first time think about art and specifically ballet dance as something more serious, like serious than just part of the, I mean, not more serious, but more as your profession than just part of your uh, culture. And how was that transition compared to how you experienced dance before that? Um, I start really from my childhood because this is uh, connected all together. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a child, I always wanted to belly dance and these things on weddings. And I was getting in serious trouble with my mother. Uh, she was always hitting me, literally hitting me secretly without the other guests seeing it. If you move, if you get off the chair, I will beat you up at the house. <laughs> because... In Turkey and, you know, in Islamic countries, uh, the image of daughters is very important because they are worried nobody will marry my daughter later on. So they try to protect their daughters from this image. And I was already like I was like maybe six, five and I was already starting to do these things, you know, and my mom was already worried like this is a trouble kid right here. I'm going to have trouble with this one. And this went on. And one day my dad, he was the opposite of my mom. He was so proud of my dancing, you know. He he loved it that I was sticking out between all the other girls, you know. Mm-hmm. He was so proud, like, oh, look at my daughter, my daughter. So I had my dad, uh, dad sitting on my right side, get up and dance or I will beat you. And I had my mother, if you move, I will beat you. So <laughs> I grew up really like this. And one day I was uh, nine years old. It was still in elementary school or eight years. Um, They had a Turkish folk dance uh, group and I had my first dance teacher. So she uh, created folk dance groups with kids. Uh, Then she had connection to uh, a cultural organization, which was here in Mannheim, where I live in Germany, for Turkish and Arabic culture who were doing big, huge uh, stage shows. So I immediately started learning professionally these Turkish uh, folk dance uh, dances. And I was only age of eight or something. And I was already on stage because I was the smallest child. They always gave me solos and put me in the front. I had to also sing a cappella on a microphone because I was the little thing you know they loved it the little mini thing in the front and the grown-ups in the back and it was it became a highlight so I thought my mom will give me permission to dance folks dances because you covered you're not naked you know I thought maybe that will not ruin my image as a girl so but when I turned 10 years old or something my mom started even stopping me with that because she didn't like how I put too much time and energy and into practice these dance shows and everything. She wanted me to become a lawyer or a doctor, you know, she wanted me to study school and it went on and on. And then I had to give up this folks dance. I was, I think 11 or 12. And then I found another passion. It was before like at 10 hip hop, break dance, uh, contemporary jazz style like contemporary they didn't call it back then contemporary but it was like modern jazz you know 
And I told my mom, I promise you, mom, I promise you, I swear, none of your friends will ever see me uh, in any event because these events are for Germans. Only Germans come. So Turkish and Arabic people will not see me. So mommy, please, please, please. She allowed me. That went on until I was 15. And then I turned into a choreographer. So I started already working for European uh, famous artists here in Europe. I was on tour with people like Backstreet Boys when they were very young, uh, get down on it and stuff. Uh, I didn't work with them to make it clear, but there was a radio show where very, very famous uh, and it had many artists and the artist I was dancing for was always part of this thing too. So I was really on tour with all these huge stars, big names. I, I was only 16 or something. This went on until I was 20. And until I make it short, I was 30, I was only busy with making music and hip-hop, R&B, soul, house, and these things. So I lost completely connection to um, belly dance. And then when I was 29, I was pregnant, and some Arabic guy drove by with his car, and I never forget, I remember, Nancy Ajram was playing. I never forget. I had goosebumps. I cried with my big stomach, big stomach with baby inside of my stomach. I cried. I yelled at my husband. I was a stupid girl. I betrayed my culture all these years. I want my music back. I want this back. So I called the dance school where I was teaching uh, hip hop classes mm -hmm. and they were all full. And I said, Please allow me to teach belly dance. And imagine, I took no classes. Yeah. I, I, I had no background of learning anything. Then I got my classes. I was starting to teach. The classes were full. It was going great because as a teacher, dance teacher, you still know how to teach. Uh, but then one of my students asked me something. What do you think about Matahari? I said, Matahari? Oh, yeah. You know what? The class is over now. Um, I would like to finish the subject. We talk about that next week, okay? And I went home. I said, who the hell is Matahari? Who is this? I was like, oh my God, why did she ask me this? I went to Google, checked out, and I was like, oh my goodness. Such a personality of history, you know, spying and dancing and all these things. I was like, okay, Fatima, this cannot go on like this. You need to know a lot more about this music, this dance and its culture and its history like you do about hip hop and all these things. So you need to study. I Googled, I found out about Jelena. This was really many years ago, like 15, 20 years almost. And uh, I found DVDs and I started studying then I found out Jelena's coming to Germany at Leila Giovanna's festival. I booked all the workshops with Jelena. And then I discovered Aziza. Um, and then I wasn't happy because I knew they were going to go back to USA and Canada. And I will not have these good teachers anymore. You know, how am I going to continue to grow in what I'm doing? And also, I never knew the difference between Turkish style and Egyptian style. To me, I always explained Egyptian is just the prettier style. When somebody asks me, which, uh, what is the difference? Uh, my teachers taught me the difference, you know? <laughs> so the thing was, at the end, I grew and grew and grew, and they gave me tips who else to go to. I must say, Aziza helped me 
and Jelena somehow too. She dis, uh, she um, told me I could go to Jamila here in Frankfurt. She has a big studio. And I didn't like her dance uh, because to me, I thought she danced so German. But then Jelena told me, don't think because you don't like somebody's dance, you will not like her teaching. I tell you, stop being arrogant because, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as Oriental people, we have certain arrogance, you know, I admit. Uh, this is something not so good uh, to be proud of, but we are like that. I admit it's sometimes you have to admit bad things. <laughs> so I was arrogant. I went to Jamila's class. In my head, I'm thinking, uh, she danced like a boring tablet, you know, a pill, like she's going to put me to sleep, you know. Oh, my God. And I must say, I learned so much from Jamila. Uh, she is still one of uh, the main teachers I learned from. I am going to stay appreciative and grateful for the rest of my life. And she taught me, I mean, through her great teaching, I learned to be more humble and to look differently at white women when they dance our dance, you know, because before for me, only Arabic and Turkish women could dance good. The white women, they cannot dance. The first white women I accepted were women from America, you know, USA. But um, I realized I'm being not fair, you know. And then everyone told me, oh, the Russians, the Ukrainians, they're like machine. For them, dance is not dance. For them, it's like sports marathon and championships. And they, they don't feel. They just dance like machines. And I never studied them. I, I kind of left them alone because I didn't know anything about it. I just followed those who were teaching me. And especially uh, teachers like Rakia Hassan, I took classes from. I loved her teaching. I cried, she cried, you know. I, I felt more connected with them. But as years went by, you couldn't ignore the Russian and the Ukrainian dancers. They kind of took over um, in many ways. So then, of course, you see some who are really like machines who just dance technicalities, you know, like, whoa, what technique? But then they are still human. You know, you have individual people there. So I don't think that when you are so great in technique, this means you don't have feelings. You know, you still can feel the music, even if your technique is awesome. You know, your heart is not left out your chest. So I discovered a few good dancers whom I really admired. Back in the day, one for sure, Noor was one of my favorites uh, of Cairo. I loved her. Beautiful lady, beautiful dancer. So this is how I grew into accepting everyone in the community and respecting everyone. And I started also defending them in their names like if people attacked them i was i became the defender and then i told my mom one day mommy i'm so sorry i am a belly dancer now and i will perform and my mother looked at me she said my daughter who cares nobody's paying your bills go i was like mommy because of you 30 <laughs> years i didn't do this and now you're telling me go do it like it's nothing Oh, my daughter, I'm so sorry. I was very stupid. I I was very, very backwards in my head. Uh, Do not feel that way. I apologize, my kid. I stole time from you. But go do what your heart says to you. And I was like, that's when it all began. And 
like I said, the other dance professions I always did, but belly dance started then when I was 30. At the age of 30, I started professional belly dance. Can you imagine? Mm, and basically, not only professional belly dance, but even like studying belly dance. I mean, of course, you had a background that you were when you were a child and you were like uh, uh, seeing it and, and knowing some movements, but it was not the same as actually going and training. And, and I'm I kind of guess there was also not uh, discoveries you did not only about uh, like uh, history of belly dance or some personalities that were also related to belly dance or direct influence balladins but those also all a lot of probably technique elements that are not uh, that obvious if you're just uh, looking on the movement and uh, picking up it as an observer and trying to imitate but actually going to class and having someone to explain it's different so probably it was also Absolutely. from technical and that's a such an amazing story for Everyone who is doubting right now themselves, like, oh, maybe I'm too old to start doing yes. belly dance. Is like, nope, you're not. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, of course, it helped that my I had a professional dance background with other styles. But as you know, as a belly dancer yourself, uh, it, it doesn't matter how great of a hip hop dancer you are, or how great of a salsa dancer or ballet dancer. Uh, when you start belly dancing you're learning completely different uh, mu muscles to use and it's a complete different uh, technique you know and to me uh, thank god the technique was there before from my childhood but um i had zero knowledge and um i didn't know anything about rhythms about different countries and their styles and why what how was being danced you know and these things, um, because the problem is when you have German students who know nothing about your culture, you have the responsibility uh, to give it to them in the right way and with right information, you know, because uh, the more you properly know about something, the more you can become. It's like, I don't know you, you know, as a person. How can I become friends with you? How can I start really liking you if I don't know anything about you? You know, mm -hmm. I can say, yeah, Yana's pretty, but that's it. But I cannot say, is she a nice person? Is she a good person? Do I want her to be coming to my wedding? Do I want her to be coming to my uh, important days, uh, be by my side? After knowing you well, I will decide that. And as teachers, we have to teach and bring this culture close to our students so they can truly fall in love with this mm -hmm. dance, you know? get to know the dance, the better they get to know the dance, the more they can fall in love with it, the more they can understand it and become one with it, you know, and not be strangers. Because if I'm a stranger with you, because I don't know you, I cannot put you in my heart. And then you won't be really in my heart, you know. And the more this dance is in your heart, the more authentic you dance. Sometimes I was telling my students, girls, forget authentic technique let it go just fall into the music and allow the music to lead you I was like what do you think the oriental women do when they go to weddings when they're young they just dance they don't think how should I move my hip how should I move my arm they just move you know and uh, you know this is how I try to make them understand and I think this is the main goal of the most 
Arabic and Oriental uh, authentic teachers uh, to bring the culture closer. So when these non-Oriental people continue this art form, whether in teaching or in dancing, they can feel connected with it. And this connection, they can pass it on to their students, you know, or to their audience. And when you see, for example, uh, some people hate some Russian styles in Cairo. And I'm like, who are you to say this is ugly? Because you know what? The people in Cairo are screaming for this woman. They're like, wow, you know? So that means it, it, it makes them happy. It uh, is right for their taste. You know, so if an Egyptian person is like, wow, 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 to a Russian woman, then you hear some, you know, European teacher, why are you judging this Russian lady? You know, let everyone do what they like. And I think everyone has the right audience for everything, you know, and if it's not for you, just ignore it. It's like when we go to the store, um, we don't have to like everything, you know, we just pick up what we like yeah. and we leave the rest, you know. And I always tell everyone, I see every dancer, every dancer, every woman as a plant, a flower in a garden. If we all looked the same, smelled the same, it would be a very boring garden. We, you know, the more varieties are there, the richer the garden, you know. So some are roses, some are tulips, some are orchids, you know, some are whatever type of flowers, you know, but we're all different. and this makes a garden rich and beautiful. So appreciate each other's diversities, you know? Mm. That's what I always say. That's so so true. And I so much liked your comparison with the store. Like when you go in yes. the store, you don't complain or criticize yeah. every single product. You just yes. come and pick what you like. Exactly. Yeah. I just pay for what I like there. But I don't go outside and say, eee, but did you see the shirts in there? But did you see that? And oh my God, you know? No, you just pay for what you like. You pick that one up and go home and be happy and show off that shirt or that dress you buy, you know. So this is something what people have to learn. Don't spend too much energy on negative thoughts, you know. Um, also, by putting down others doesn't bring you up, mm -hmm. you know. This is very important because the more I support you, the more you shine, the more belly dance is shining. The more belly dance shines, the more at the end I'm going to shine myself. Because when people like belly dance, we have to push each other up together as a whole, as a one. Uh, you know, this is something what a lot of people don't understand, you know, because globally we are still not at a level uh, where, for example, ballet is or flamenco or other certain dances which uh, or Latin dances which uh, enjoy bigger respect and recognition, you know, um, through some dancers, thank God, uh, and YouTube, uh, belly dance has a much more um, uh, attention and uh, better uh, views and stuff. But there's still work need to be done. You know, there's still a lot of work need to be done. It's like feminism, you know, 
just because you got a lot more uh, achieved than 100 years ago doesn't mean the work is finished. You know, you still always can do something in women's rights, you know. And the same thing is for belly dance. Just because some people know now about belly dance doesn't mean we achieved our goal. No, we still have to work on this image. We still have to help together, help this lady to, you know, support her videos or uh, work or shows or festivals so invite people from outside of the scene this is something also I criticize a lot I'm sorry I might uh, make enemies now <laughs> I don't like too many shows dedicated just for Orient scene you know for example, these festivals and stuff. It's nice, but there are too many festivals. Instead of making festivals too many festivals, because people are not that rich, they cannot spend five times a year money on festivals. Um, so you're going to eventually choose only one or two a year, uh, which uh, the other one's going to be like, oh, I, don't, I didn't make this year so much. You know? Instead, focus on a beautiful show, like a concert. Invite only two artists the most and make a full show with just these two artists and maybe yourself and your students. Because, Iana, how many styles do you dance? When you study Oriental dance, you learn so many styles. Is it true or not? We have the folkloric styles, we have the fusion styles, we have the modern styles, the traditional styles, you know? So, alone you could fill a show of two hours. If your body condition allows you, you could fill up a two-hour show easily with your knowledge, you know. You would dance one this, one that, a raksharki, uh, a, a, liter a contemporary, liter a lyrical, oriental, I don't know, shabi, baladi, this, that, you know, and boom, two hours are done, you know. So why do we bring such huge, amazing dancers from across the globe to the festival and make this amazing dancer dance only one dance. Mm. And if it only goes 10 minutes, I mean, come on. Imagine Saida from Argentina is in your show and you give her only 10 minute stage. Oh my goodness, what a big loss. This woman has so much more to give than just 10 minutes and she's flying all over the globe, to, you know, 10, 12, 20 hours, depending where she's flying, just to give you 10 minutes out of her. 10 hours repertoire, excuse me, you know? So it's a loss in my eyes. I would love seeing like reduced names on the flyers, like just two, three highlighting names, like guest stars, and then put more effort into the show. I want to see the person they bring changing costumes, changing styles, you know, like many times. But I don't want to sit there three, four hours because I had to still see the other people too in between. I will go crazy. I always say, when you cook food, Iana, and you uh, serve it on a nice plate in a nice portion and it tastes so good, I'm going to mmm, yummy, yummy. Oh, that was so good, Iana. Oh, my God, you cooked it so good. Uh, can I have some more, you know? But if you cook the same food and serve it to me in a big pot and a huge pot i'm just gonna look at the food and think oh my god how can i finish that it's impossible and even though it tastes so good maybe i will vomit you know i will throw up because it's gonna be too much for my stomach 
even though it's my maybe favorite dish because it's too much. So don't tire people's brains with too much. Give them less, but stuff that they can process in their brain. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Does it make yeah, sense? It makes sense. But I also want to bring up another issue because festivals, they are partially done uh, and big important uh a part of it is uh, education and yes. uh, entertainment too, like these shows. Uh, but there is also another more logistical business side of these activities yes. because a lot of dancers they go that comes also partially from uh, I will say fault, but it's more like in the quote mark fault by participants too because many people go to the show to the festival actually to have opportunity to perform. Yes. So if you're stripping down, like having only a couple, like let's say only students, uh, uh, student group or and a couple of teachers, then the organizers probably fear of losing participants. So it will become yes. not viable. So it's, I understand totally what you're saying. Know, it like, I, makes I a lot of sense. To say. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, it's a financial um, issue, they think. But, you know, <clears throat> I always say, It's like teaching your audience, you know, when you teach your audience uh, festivals are just this, then they always expect that and you don't teach them anything better. There is no development. It doesn't develop into a better form. You know, it stays in that style and it's like a trap you put yourself in. You know, I think in my eyes, get some sponsors, good sponsors who pay enough money like um for example talk to your travel agencies who take over the tickets from these superstars from far take uh, talk to hotels who take over the hotel rooms you know like make big stuff and if you can't do it maybe don't do it just do a smaller show like i said but it will be uh like appreciated in a much better way mm-hmm. because the thing is iana For example, you're saying um, we want to learn, for example, yes, you know, they're teachers. But I don't mind to take uh, four or five workshops from one teacher in different styles because, <clears throat> for example, Randa Kamel, okay, for example, it's just a name. It could be anybody. I'm just taking mm-hmm. a name, okay? Randa Kamel is uh, in your country, in your city, and she's giving two workshops, You know, and then there are five or six other teachers. They're also giving one or two workshops. If you kick all them out and Randa Kamil gives 10 workshops instead, you don't think you can learn a lot in 10 workshops from Randa Kamil. She can teach you Saidi. She can teach you Shabi. She can teach you Baladi. She can teach you Raksharki ala Randa Kamil. She can teach you Mejansi, something. It's, it, she can teach you something with Uncle Sum. There's so many subjects she could still teach amazingly. You don't need all the other names, you know, a drum solo whatsoever. There's so many options to learn from just one teacher if you bring the good one. So learning uh, argument, I don't accept because there are so many teachers they can teach a lot. A lot. Like I have this colleague, I'm not going to say his name. He was always upset because they called him always uh, to Japan or uh, China, Hong Kong and stuff. And he was always complaining to me, Fatima, you know, they always tell me here these two subjects. But I don't want to always teach them that, you know, because I want to teach this, this, this. But they say the other teachers are already teaching that, you know, and it was always making him sad. You know, I'm not giving name. Um, and I was always trying to talk to him like, yeah, I feel you. I understand you. But 
this is the game, you know, if you want to be in it, I'm sorry. That's why I don't go, you know. I, not that I'm saying that I get too many questions to teach, but I don't like the business side. Like, I got many requirements from Egypt, but it was always uh, including with my students. I don't want to force mm. my students to come to Cairo and spend their money, hard-earned money, uh, just because I want to teach. It's a selfish reason, you know. I wouldn't mind to take my students to Egypt. That's not the thing, but not for the matter of me getting the chance to teach. And I'm not judging the ones who do. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not judging them. Everyone, as, as I say, everyone choose their own way of success, their own way of dealing with this dance form, uh, art form, business uh, side of this art. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying I wouldn't. You know, it's my feeling. So I would feel guilty because my students would feel, uh, oh, Fatima is taking us to Egypt because she wants us to get to know this and get to know that. But actually the real motivation behind it is me being able to dance at the gala, you know, whether it's Ahlan wa Sahlan or all these big names, you know, to dance there or to teach there, be one of those names on those uh, big flyers with 10,000 names on it. No, I don't have the urge. I declined all these offers simply because I cannot bring students for that reason. You know, maybe two, three would love to come because I know they love Cairo or they love Egypt or they love that culture. And I know they would really be happy, but two, three wouldn't be enough for them. They would want all of my students to come, you know, and no, I cannot do that. So these things have to change, in my opinion. Um, in Cairo, in Egypt, I don't know if it can change, if it should change, because they have different uh, financial, economical issues there. Of course, they can use any tourist, any uh, you know money that comes into the country. But overall, I think we could do a lot for this art form, like all those festival uh, People, organizers, if they would do, for example, one year a festival and the next year just a beautiful concert, you know, with just two, three dancers and a live band, you know, like change it up. Like one year this, one year that, one year this. And then people would slowly learn, oh, my God, because why do we love flamenco? Why do we love ballet? You know, because it's accepted differently, you know, like when you go to a flamenco concert, you don't see many big names come and go. There's only one big name the whole night. She has her troupe or he has his troupe, you know, with the musicians and the other few dancers of the team. But you don't see another troupe, you know? You don't see five, six, seven, eight, ten, twenty troops come and go. Mm-hmm. I hired at one of my events a flamenco dancer and I asked her to perform ten minutes because I said there's so many people still to perform. She looked at me so shocked. She said, Parima, then I'm sorry. Then you have to choose somebody else. Uh, I'm sorry. Then we're not the right people for your show. I was like, why? She's like, I'm sorry. Ten minutes, I'm not even warm yet. You know, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It takes ten minutes for my singer to just start a few tones out his throat. You know, she was like, I'm sorry. The minimum is 30 minutes. Otherwise, we can't do really what we usually do which is what you fell in love with. Yeah. So I said, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to do it where I do three parts of my event, my show, and I'll put them on their own part. Like it was only them performing that part. 30 minutes, just flamenco, singing, dancing, music, everything. 
that one troupe, people fell in love. You know, the mm-hmm. audience was like, wow, you know. So this is important uh, to change the style of presentation. This is what I mean, mm-hmm. you know. I think right now the main uh, like kind of issue or barrier to to uh, this transition is that the fact that ballad dance festivals right now they're product of just ballad dance world and they're yes. created yes. by ballad dancers for ballad dancers yes. and learning is not uh, actually the the main or only I would say uh, reason as a trend I'm talking about and in my personal opinion intensives are way more effective and productive in terms of learning something than going to festival festival has a different especially today uh, like in the beginning of festival life it was different but today when we are looking at in my opinion it has different purpose like learning too but learning is just one of the aspects and the main block or the main barrier and the main trap that we as ballet dance community created for ourselves, including these events, is that we are only focusing on ourselves. We are yes. not yet ready in general, I think, as a trend to take a very difficult task, because this is very way more challenging than what we yes. have right now, is popularizing our events among yes. the general audience. And yes. the main worry of organizers is that, oh, who will show up on my gala show if not other belly dancers or their friends and yes. families who want to see them? And that's why we are growing. It's it's a trap. I, I totally get your yes. point. It's just yes. I'm more trying to also clarify how I see what Absolutely. is going on right no, now I and reasons. Yeah. I agree with you. And 100%. Even, f- even also for like, you know, our audience <laughs> listeners right now also to think and analyze that basically the organizer right now, they also got in trap that okay i need i want to create this learning and in many cases it comes from a very good uh, place of like i want to create this learning opportunities but then oh i have a gala show and i also want to give to make sure people come so i can pay artists i can pay rents of hotel booking on the stage show etc so how can it's not people not today people not only come for festivals to uh, study and oh, Absolute I need to enough. give a variety of dance uh, teachers so uh, the more people will be attracted. Or oh, I need to give them performance opportunities again so they yeah, are more which, attracted. They can bring their is friends. The reason why competitions all are taking over in the festivals. Every yes. festival has now a competition. Yeah. You know, uh, absolutely. I understand you one hundred percent, and I agree with you one hundred percent. But this is exactly the issue. You know, yeah. that's a, at mm-hmm. the same time it's an issue. It's a, trap. it's a reason. Yes, it's a trap and. Uh, that's why I wish they would dare to be a bit more courageous, you know, not to be so scared. Uh, and also business from the business side, really, belly dance or uh, event organizers have to get better, like much, much, much better in finding sponsors. This is their main issue because you cannot uh, pay everything out your own pocket then you will be depending on the participants of the festival. So then you start these things like, yeah, if you want to dance, uh, then you have to pay this and that, or you have to join this and that, or you have to at least uh, uh, join uh, workshops. I had that too before. Somebody wrote me, I'm not going to give any name again, uh, festival, uh, if, if I want to 
to uh, be part of their festival. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Like with you, I was surprised too. Like, okay, I'm, my name is not really out there, but I'm being asked by this festival. I was like, you know, I felt a little flattered. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nice. But then immediately the conditions came. I had to join um, at least five or six workshops of the other uh, uh, stars that they were, you know, she hired. And I had to bring, I don't know, amount of uh, students at oh. least. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my God. So when I joined those workshops, I'm losing money, you know, because uh, I, I had to pay those workshops. And I was like, okay, I'm losing this and that much money just to uh, give one workshop myself and be on the stage there. No, I was like, I'm going to stay with my own private shows because I get like 10 times more money like that, you know, no, thank you. And uh, it made me sad, you know, and then I actually had discussions with a few other organizers whom I know in person. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this normal? And then she told me, uh, they both told me, yes, this is normal. Like we go through this a lot, <laughs> you know. I was I like, would, oh my god! I would say it's not normal. It's common. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. That's a very good correction. Yes, that's a very important. It's a very uh, small difference, you know, but it it's a very important difference. So then I realized, see, this is exactly why the whole charm. The whole love goes away on these festivals. You know, like you said, back in the days, the festivals were different. Uh, It was, you know, when I went to uh, some of the festivals here um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was just in love with everything, you know. And now it's so much hunger there. Of course, young talents want to show themselves, want a platform to show themselves. Of course, the people who want to sell their costume, same, you know, back in the days, the same. They have to sell their stuff. And that makes the whole thing good. But the atmosphere has changed also. The motivation behind it has changed somehow, you know, and I'm missing that. But it's because it's too many festivals. It's like they're growing like mushrooms everywhere. Some new festival is coming up. You know, like I said, how to how many festivals a year can you go, Iana? You have your contracts, you have your shows, you have your appointments, you have your private life. Uh, then you have your budget for the year. Uh, then you also have uh, I, plans for, for example, holidays with your partner or your family and stuff, you know. So you don't, you cannot just go four or five times a year to some festival. It's just not possible. So then people lose money and then they wonder why we're losing money. Because try, try something different there and work on your skills for getting sponsors. Because that's the difference. Ballet shows, concerts, when you look, they play in big halls because they have big sponsors. Try to use famous names like Sadie and all the other ones who have millions of views on YouTube. Prove them, look, this person is famous. If you give me the chance in this nice hall or if you give me the chance and sponsor me because I want to do the show in this hall, and get the sponsors, I'm telling you, you will sell tickets because it's the promotion behind it. And you have to promote it towards the place you live, like local TV channels, local radio stations, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Not Facebook and Instagram uh, to the world. 
because from the whole world you will not get that many people coming you know and if they do come you put them these conditions like yeah okay bring me students or if you want to perform you're gonna have to pay this or that you know or create always these nonsense making too many competitions that I totally lost track you know which one is still important or good or qualified to be called a competition you know I, I lost track for all these things you know but instead of that you know, do these things and then you will see it, it will clean up. It needs to get cleaned up. And then when it gets cleaned up, then from outside world, the normal people will appreciate and love belly dance as what we want it to be. Because, of course, there is also the cheaper street side to this dance. We cannot deny that. The history, you know, where it come from, the poor girl, for example, uh, I never taught Zils. Zil is a Turkish word, you know, it's a, straight up a Turkish word. And my students are always like, oh, Fatima, but I find it so nice. Why don't you teach me? I was sending them to my colleague and teacher, Jamila. I said, go to her. She's great. I learned it from her too, but you will not learn it from me. It's because uh, Turkish people connect Zils with street dancer. For example, Zilli uh, has the meaning, the one with the Zils, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, but it's e uh, totally equal with words like bitch, whore, slut, <laughs> you know, mm. it's equal. Because um, when you dance, uh, belly dance on the streets, it means you're cheap, you know. Um, this is the mentality behind it. And why do uh, the girls who dance on the streets dance with zils? It's an extra instrument because you cannot have a radio or a sound system and boxers, you know, speaker boxes and stuff while you dance because who's going to carry all that? You have only uh, maybe your father or your brother playing uh, darbuka, the other one playing the flute, you know, and stuff like that, or just little few instruments. And then you adding with your zils to the sound. That's the only purpose. This is how it was invented, the zils, you know. Uh, to put some extra sound and for Turkish people like I said it's connected with the dance in the streets and it's connected with being cheap being a slut being able to be bought you know so in my <clears throat> conscious this is extremely uh yeah tightly uh, you know inside of my brain it's like I can't let it go even though I respect and love those ladies who do the zills because it's an amazing skill to dance a certain rhythm and play another rhythm with your fingers you know with the zills to add to the dance it's amazing I love it you know and I have they have my huge respect it's just my instinct my uh, the way I was brought up you know my mm -hmm. cultural background forces me not to do it like it stops me it blocks me you know it's like an inner voice saying ew no 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 you cannot put those things in your fingers so uh, even a big name like Didem, for example, she started on the streets. You know, her background is the same. And when you hear her talking and stuff, uh, it's you will understand a lot more about the background and the history of this dance. So there is always a street version of this dance and a very, very classy stage version. You know, this doesn't mean the one on the street don't know how to dance oh, and we don't put her down. She just has different conditions in her life, you know? So she's only able to do that, you know, for different reasons. We can never judge, but there are different ways. So we have to accept that, 
you know. And when we accept that, we can also accept the club dancers. Like a lot of my colleagues in Germany hate the club dancers in Cairo, you know. They feel like it's like go-go dancing, you know, like too erotic. But I'm like, it's a different audience, you know. It's different audience, different atmosphere. It requires that, then, and the dancer has no problem giving that. Let her give that. It's okay. So, to me, we have to understand the huge, 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 huge variety in our dance and the background of it. And then, if our wish is to put it up higher level, to change on these organizational uh, projects, like I said, not too many festivals. Instead, maybe do a nice concert, try to make a story behind it, you know? Like Jelena is doing a great work with her belly dance evolution and stuff. It's a commercial work, yes, you know, it might not uh, hit everyone's taste, you know? But she's trying to put a professional um, work behind it, a professional stage where even normal people can go and watch the show, you know? Not just the Orient scene. And this is what we have to try more to reach out to normal people, mm. you know, not just to reach to our scene because people in our scene already in love with belly dance. We don't have to make them love it. You know, they're already in love. That's why they're doing it. You know, but we have to reach the people who don't know much about it. Mm. And this is my wish. And I was uh, just about also to do a comment about this uh, importance of reaching general uh, audience too, because even yes. for your comment about sponsorship, it would be so awesome if uh, we had more skills like, I don't know, business skills or negotiating yes. skills to engage more sponsors. But sponsors, they're also people who have their own uh, uh, needs and requirements and goals and their objective. They have something that they, expectations that they are looking for. And of course, it's great if you find some sponsors who just want to support ballet dance and, and they bet yes. in developing this uh, ballet dance as a, uh, field but most sponsors they will want to see the reach okay they will sponsor you they will give money but who they will reach and in yes, most cases yes, they're absolutely. not interested in a small number of like niche people they are more interested in general audience so the organizers by definition need to already be able to reach general audience and i think actually this is not just responsibility of event organizers or, or event uh, festival organizers promoting ballet dance among general audience. This is yes. actually a responsibility of the community itself Absolutely. Absolutely. and every single person. And one of the Absolutely. ways one of the ways that I feel a lot of ballet dancers they will look on this activity more like from up down uh as if it's not worth their time, but one of the ways is popularizing ballet dance through the solo shows in the regular venues like restaurants, uh, weddings, I don't know, someone's birthday parties, whatever private, commercial, yes. uh, uh, corporate, because this is the person, like, right now, belly dance is not a live stream. We would love, to, like, just because people know the name belly dance, it yes. doesn't mean it's a live stream. We wish it was, but it's yes. not. And a regular person, if they decide, 
okay, where to go on my weekend? Oh, there is a singing concert, there is a rock concert. Yes. Uh, oh, there is like, I don't know, uh, ballet show. They're not thinking about ballet dance. Yes. Oh, let me see if there is any ballet dance concerts available. They're not thinking. Exactly. The closest connection for us ballet dancers to the regular audience is, again, those restaurants, those clubs, yes. etc. Yes. And uh, I know that you are also very active uh, with your uh, solo shows uh, too. So can you tell please how uh, you transitioned, uh, like you started with teaching and yes. was it your uh, goal to start developing your solo dance career also in the local shows or did it happen just naturally and at some point you just found out yourself, okay, I'm now actively involved in this too. <laughs> Um, it actually started with the student who asked me with uh, the question with Matahari. Um, she one day told me um, she has never seen somebody dancing like me. And it's so sad. It breaks her heart that I'm not performing, you know, like professionally, that I'm keeping that all to myself. And I told her that I don't have this ego to show it off. You know, I'm okay. I'm happy with teaching. People who know me close, they know my biggest passion is teaching you know so um i was like no 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 and then she was like please 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 and she was the daughter-in-law of a, a big 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 um uh what do you say like a big store who sell designer clothes mm -hmm. and all these things but it's huge and the owners are billionaires uh, engelhorn you know you everyone can google it Mannheim engelhorn billionaires and she was the daughter-in-law of one of the brothers of Engelhorn. So super rich, you know, Turkish, but rich, you know. <laughs> so she was like, and what if I get you a show for an event that's uh, organized by, you know, Engelhorn? Because mm -hmm. they were opening up a big new house and they had the subject Morocco, the whole big store was uh, decorated and it had even sand on the floor like you felt like you're in uh, Morocco. It was like really a mm. project of maybe a millions of euros in it, you know? So I was like, no, no, no. And then she was like, Fatima, what is your problem? Money? I guarantee you, you know, they're rich. I make sure you get the money you want. I was like, oh my God, this girl really wants me to dance, you know? So it got stuck in my head mm -hmm. and I came home, disgusted with my dad, uh, my husband, and I disgusted with my mom. And then when my mom also said, go, do, do, you know, I stopped you for too long. I'm sorry. And stuff. I said, okay, I'm doing it then, you know, <laughs> I'm a belly dancer then now from now on, this is the story, you know, when I was talking to my mom and then I went to her name, Shengul. I said, Shengul, listen, I'm accepting uh, organize an appointment with me and the Engelhorn brothers and I discuss the business side and I do it and that was my first moment when I realized okay I think it's gonna go into that direction and I bought my first uh, used extremely used and it was stinking like hell like 10,000 dead fishes in it um, because I bought it 10 years before that from a friend a Persian friend of mine uh, 400 euro I never forget and it was in a plastic bag and closed and I never opened it and she told me to wash it back then but I never did so in those 10 years of not opening this bag it it invented a smell I no words can describe it Iana no words 
I brought it to my mom. I said, mommy, can you do something so I will not stink like hell? <laughs> so she helped me even the same mom who my whole life was hitting me and mm-hmm. threatening me became my biggest spo- supporter because I already had my child then, you know. She said, I will babysit your child. I will always be there for her. She's with her grandma. Don't worry. Go and dance. Do it. You know, you are still young. 30 is not very old. You are not still at young. All. <laughs> yeah. At that time, you know, you're thinking like that, you know, because when you had as a young girl the dream, I, I but know you didn't do exactly. it. I'm 30 right now. And <laughs> <laughs> then you know exactly. So the thing was, I started and then one show opened the other doors for other shows. And next thing, I uh, made a website, which was amazingly beautiful website. I invested a lot of money in it. But the problem was, you know, in Germany, you don't have managers and agents for yourself Mm -hmm. as a belly dancer. And I was getting too many inquiries, you know, like every day I had like 20, 30, 50 inquiries like, hey, can you dance, blah, blah, blah. Can you dance here, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't answer them. So the not answering situation, because when you don't answer three days and you have like 90 emails, you know, when you don't answer four days, you have like over 150 and stuff. So... Um, it was getting like really out of my hands and people starting to write me mad emails like, yeah, yeah, my website looks so good, but I'm such an unprofessional person, blah, blah, blah. I don't even reply. Like if I'm not able that day, why am I at least not writing it? You know, um, I realized this is getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So after five or six years, I shut down my website because like I said, when you have no agent, no manager who take care of these things, as you know yourself, we belly dancers, we're like managers, organizers, we're stylists, we're everything, you know, we're the carry person of our own stuff and we're our own drivers, you know, I drive to my show, I do everything myself. Uh, when I'm lucky, my husband is free, you know, then he's helping me. But I also had times when I was at least like five, six years separated from my husband and I was completely on my own and I had to do it all by myself, you know. And it was tough. It was really, really tough. It came to a point where I broke down emotionally, physically. Mm-hmm. I broke down. I took a break of three years. Um, before I took the break, I actually cut my hair. I cut my hair so short. I don't know if you've seen pictures, but I, I was even about had to ask shades. You. Everything uh. was shaved on the side and the back. I looked like, yeah. People loved it. First, they said, nobody will hire you anymore. And then when my old clients called me, I told them, um, excuse me, um, I don't know if you saw my profile picture on WhatsApp. Um, that's how I look now. You know, I have extremely short hair. I'm not talking about short bob cut or something. I'm talking about like really, really short. And they were quiet on the phone for a second. And they were like, uh, do you dance different? No. Okay, then who cares about your hair? We want you. I was like, oh my God, really? Yes. So, and then he continued, you know? And honestly, after I cut my hair, you will not believe it. People loved me more. So many of my uh, fans told me before I feel like I was distracted by your hair. Because, you know, you do these nice moves with your hair and stuff. And you look so pretty with the beautiful, sexy hair and stuff. They were like, but now that the hair was gone, I think I put more attention actually into your dance. And um, 
you have to also com uh, compensate, you know, the missing of your hair. Because when you don't have the hair, you have to play with something else. Mm -hmm. But what do you have to play? You have no hair, you have no nothing in your hand to play with. So what do you do? You put more, a lot more expression in your face. You do a lot more with your hands and your head. And you are a lot emo more emotional because you can't do all the hair extras, you know, the typical, uh, uh -huh. you know, the... Oh, I'm a belly dancer. Look, I'm swinging my hair. Type. <laughs> you, you can't do that anymore. It's gone. It's not there. You have a naked neck and stuff like that, you know? So um, it's like nothing you can hide, you know? And people loved it. And I was like, okay, that gave me a great, great joy to see that people um, really can learn from you. That's why I said we have to teach our audience. Uh, get, I taught my audience to get rid of the cliche image of a belly dancer, that she's only a sexy, erotic, long hair, amazing, sexy woman. I took that image away. I proved them you can even have almost a bald haircut. If you dance good, you will still be liked and hired. I was still hired so much. And then I still took a break because it, it, it all became too much for me. Um, I was emotionally exhausted and stuff. And I told my husband, is it okay if I just stop for two years? And I only danced maybe like once every two, three months. And then I started right back last December. And I was like dancing so much, getting so many shows again, like back in the days. And I was happy because I was strong. I, I took my time to take rest, you know, heal my head and everything. And then the corona came in. <laughs> Corona said no, Tima, not yet. Uh, yeah. life, so now life always yes. does its own adjustments. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You can't predict things and you can't pre-plan things too much because if that's not what God wished for you at that moment, uh, it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So I am on a break, as all of the other artists are too, and yeah, we all all. I think we all are hoping and wishing this all to be over soon so we can get back because as much as fun it is for some people to teach online and do all these things, uh, videos, online videos, it's not the same when you have the real connection to your audience and your students, you know, live. So, but it will come, I'm sure. It's just going to take some time maybe, but it will come. Another news that a lot of people don't know, I'm moving to the States. Um, my husband is already there since last year, September. So I'm moving there too. Mm. We will see how life, dancing life will go on in America. Because <laughs> <laughs> I only know it in Europe. Well, wish you good luck, but I'm pretty sure it will be very successful too. Uh, there are many people who would love to see Billy Dance at the event and many students who would love to learn too. So in uh, that I'm also talking a little bit about from my Canadian experience. There's audience for that everywhere. So True. I'm pretty sure it will be very uh, successful, especially Thank knowing you. your, your um, experience already so far. Thank you, dear. Quick, quick, actually quick or not, I don't know, but uh, I think one important question that I would love to ask you, because it's so interesting, I am right now in my phase of break, 
Oh. I had five years of full time exactly performing uh, as a ballet oh. dancer, not even teaching much. Now okay. I decided to sort of take a break. I don't know, is it break or not, or just different chapter. I'm still deciding. But I'm really interested. If you abstract from current coronavirus, like you had this short period of time uh, that you were, that you came back as an active dancer. Yes. What did you have any differences in your approach to your performance career or, uh, I don't know, artistic business or logistic side of it or anything? Any different approach that you start doing now that you learned from your previous experience before you take a break? Absolutely, I did. And that's why I actually fell into depression in Corona times, because I felt like now that I had the perfect way to handle everything, perfect way, I felt untouchable. I felt uh, so powerful because I boosted a lot of energy and power in me, you know. And like you said, uh, this time I used to think, what can I do better? How? What can I do differently? You know, and so I was quite sad when it stopped. But yes, I did. For example, Uh, organizations you know I definitely was uh, planning uh, myself those concerts as I was telling I wish people would do I already had meetings with uh, a few sponsors who were totally willing to uh, sponsor me because you can always use um, certain famous belly dancers their Instagram profiles when they see for example how many followers they have You know, you show them like, look, this one has this many, this one has this many, uh, whether it's on YouTube or Instagram, you have to convince uh, the potential sponsor that belly dancers reach a big uh, amount of people in the world. And they're also like these influencers, because the thing is, when you notice so many companies, uh, when they want to promote their products, they use uh, Instagram influencers, you know, uh, to sell their products. So I used the Instagram belly dancers, their fame, their likes, and their followers to convince these sponsors uh, to support me that uh, I guarantee him that it will be sold out and people from I don't know where everywhere will come and that it will be great promotion for him and his company. And so I spoke with a few sponsors. Also, I spoke with uh, certain uh, people from the city Mannheim, you know, um, like not the governor, but people who still work in the organization for the cultural events and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I had big support. And so I was planning a huge, nice concert show. I wanted to connect India and Orient and Western world, mm. three different worlds with each other, with live music and with their musicians. But I wanted to only like hire one Indian dancer, uh, one extra Oriental dancer and one modern dancer, you know, and that was going to be it. Nobody else. So just them and the musicians. Um, I had so much And then when I was, for example, also doing my private shows, like mm -hmm. you said, like when you go, how did you approach, blah, blah, blah. I felt I danced really different. Um, and my audience, they cried. They were like, we're so happy you're back. We realized how much we missed you. They hugged me. They cried. They came back for me, just for me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Like, I'm so glad that uh, this kind of warm welcoming back is there. And And then I promised myself I would never, ever exhaust myself again to a point where I want to quit. 
And this is what I did wrong back in the days. I accepted all the shows because, you know, you say a number of amount and you think uh, he's going to say no because you're too expensive. And then they accept it. And then you're like, damn, now I can't say no, you know. And then you're like, damn, that's a lot of money. That's nice money. Okay, then I do this one too. And then so you realize you're doing almost every show. And at the end of the day, you're so exhausted. One of my teachers told me, the problem with performing is um, not, uh, it's, it's different than when you teach. Like when you teach, you see the fruits of what you, you know, the seeds that you plant, you see the fruits coming out later on through your students when they grow, when they become so wow. You're like, oh my God, I helped her to become this, you know. But when you perform, my teacher said, you leave after every dance show, you leave a piece of your soul behind you. Like, because you give honestly, honestly, piece of your soul to your audience. And if they don't treat it well, whether it's organizer and whether you don't, you know, the rooms we change sometimes, you just want to leave right immediately when you see the room where you have to change. You're like, oh my God, no, really? Are you serious? You know? or the music sounds is bad, or the DJ mess up and cuts your music accidentally, or the dance floor is horrible, or kids run between your legs, and you know these stories. It, it, it collects, and it makes you go one day like, oh my God, I can't do this no more. And the problem is when you take too much because you get all these offers and you don't want to lose them, you exhaust yourself one day, and you give too much, and then, um, yeah, you break down, and I had that. And I promised myself I will take only less, uh, only make sure. And when I go there, I was a lot more demanding, you know. Like I never attended a dance floor without the host speaking on the microphone saying five times, please remove your kids off the dance floor. I made sure there was no kid, like when he wanted to announce me, I wasn't walking in. I was I was shaking my head in the back like, nope, I still see kids. Nope, I'm not coming. Nope, nope, you know. And then all the kids would be removed because the guy on the uh, microphone would say, excuse me, she is not coming out until all the kids are gone. This is protection for your own kids, please. When she turns around, she doesn't see your kid and she hits your kid, then you will be upset. Please, for the sake of your own children, remove your kids. And then I would come. So I learned these things over the years, of course. You know, I was a lot more consequent with sometimes you scared, you're going to look like a diva, you know, like, you know, arrogant. But you have to protect yourself. If you don't protect yourself, you lose too much of your health, your own health. And then one day you realize, you start losing your love, your passion for this job. And then you want to quit. And then you want to take your break or quit. You don't know if you will ever go back because you don't know. You're so exhausted. So I was happy that I found my way back with better solutions, better uh, handling the situation, better approach, like you said. So I'm happy, you know. It's a break now forced by Corona. But when Corona is over, I'm going to continue the same way I had started with. Mm, keep awesome. always in the background of your head as a belly dancer protect yourself protect yourself from anything stressful like drunk men come close to you 
uh, he could be the nicest, sweetest uncle of someone, you know, and he's just happy. But maybe he's stepping on your toes with his heavy body and you're crying tears, you know. It happened to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. My my small toes were bleeding several times, you know. I was like, oh, my God, you know. But back in the days, I used to continue the show. I used to continue back in the days, you know, like the show must go on. But now the moment I see somebody drunk coming towards me, I back up and I look for someone who is working there or who's from the organizational side. And I'm like, remove this guy. And then I stop until this guy is removed. Of course, there are certain people who just want to dance with you and they're not drunk. They don't fall right, left. I dance with them. I love to dance with the audience, you know. I'm a people's person. I love dance. And I always make people dance. I always make them dance and they love that. But you got to protect yourself during this time. You know, you got to make sure you don't hit any kids. You got to make sure people don't step on your toes. You got to make sure uh, they don't disrespect you. Like on Turkish weddings, I don't know if you how many times you dance for Oriental audience, but like Turkish women have this tendency, I told you, uh, quite arrogant. <clears throat> they want to prove that they're better. They always want to challenge you. <laughs> they start battling you, you know. Um, I don't care. I let them. I stop. One time, it was so horrible. This lady, she went down and she had a headscarf. Imagine, she was wearing a headscarf. Mm-hmm. She went on the floor, did the little bridge moves and all these things, you know, and was flipping out. I literally stopped. Like, I was just clapping for her. Mm-hmm. I was just clapping for her, like supporting her. Mm-hmm. Then she was not stopping. Ten minutes went by. My music is getting finished, you know. Fifteen minutes go by. She's still dancing and I'm clapping. Then I saw all the guests getting up, going to the woman who hired me and yelling at her. Like, what the hell? We came to see the dancer. Why? And then the woman came and she pulled her off the dance floor very aggressively. And then they had a fight on the dance floor. And then she left the dance floor. And then she came and apologized to me. I said, it's okay. I said, "Uh, but my music has only 10 minutes left. I'm sorry. You know, and then I finished my last 10 minutes and then I left. The uh, outcome of the story was the organizer apologized to me. Everyone apologized to me. And me, myself, I didn't have to feel guilty because I protected myself. You know, if I would try to battle, fight, uh, show and prove, hey, I'm the dancer here, please. Or even ignore simply and trying to continue your show. That's another exactly. story. <laughs> that, 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 that's ugly. You should never do that. that. That just makes you look stupid, you know. Um, that's why I was, I just stopped and clapped, like, you know, really literally, yep, you know, yeah. joining her fun, like, okay, let's all watch this lady. She wants to show us her skills. Let's all watch this lady. And I clapped with a smile because it's good and important. You don't look ugly, you know, because people still supposed to enjoy your face, enjoy your mood. So I was just clapping happy, you know. And people couldn't be mad at me because obviously she was taking up the whole dance floor. Like when she saw I'm going to the right, she came there. Like She just didn't want me to dance. She just wanted everyone to look at her. And this happens quite often on Turkish weddings. Um, they, for some reason, they feel like they have to prove you they can do it too. I'm like, I'm sorry you chose the way not to become a belly dancer, but I chose, so I'm getting paid, you're not, so I'm sorry, but, you know, do what you like, (laughs) go ahead, you know, 
so these things I learned to deal much better. And this is something I also can really suggest everyone. Don't go on stage while kids are running. Make sure it gets announced many times because Oriental people don't listen. They don't listen. You got to tell them like five times. If you tell them just one time, remove your kids, 10 kids will still run around. So you got to make sure the guy on the microphone says it quite a few times and uh, don't dance when a drunk person is falling left and right. Protect your feet. Don't dance when the music is not nice. Don't change in no bathrooms. Change only in real rooms. It doesn't have to be super pretty because not every place has uh, good rooms. That's a fact. You know, they can't do magic for you and create a room for you, you know. But at least don't change in no bathrooms. Certain things like that. You know, those little things collect when you don't pay attention into your soul. And it leaves a negative, uh, bad uh, effect on you. And you become sick. You do become sick, you know, and then you lose the quality in your smile and you lose the passion, you know. And then when you also parallel to that experience jealousy or hate or bad talk in the community, in the dance community towards each other, then you're really fed up, you know. Then you're like, okay, I think I'm really done. (laughs) Then you really want to quit. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Like you brought up so many so common uh, situations that when dancers just begin their solo dance career in the local gigs, they they may think, okay, uh, what kind of business card should I do? How much should I price? How can I uh, make people find me and hire me? Uh, But they often don't think about those other situations that you need to think through how to troubleshoot them on spot while maintaining your professional attitude, while maintaining positive uh, uh, energy because your audience is not guilty that the one that one person is trying yes. to spoil. So you're trying to still keep warm and friendly environment. But at the same time, sometimes inside yourself, you're boiling with <laughs> like, what is going on? And how can I solve it? And how can I protect myself? And how at the same time, I at least can try to save a part more of my show. <laughs> because you also Absolutely. as a dancer, you have passion to dance. So it's, yes, yes, it's about audience, but it's also about you and you doing this. <laughs> So it's Absolutely. it's very interesting and it's so cool that you already gave a couple of um, uh, very useful uh, tips for especially beginning dancers because experienced dancers we kind of Absolutely. go through it and we figure out it with time but so often yes. we wish someone told us these kind Absolutely. of solutions in the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely, these are really important tips and uh, they're very very useful. Like. And another tip is, for example, to avoid the bathrooms for changing. Mm -hmm. When people hire you, uh, make sure before you go there, you make clear you need a changing room. And with room, you don't mean bathroom. You have to mention that because a lot of people don't understand the difference. You know, I told them, look, I have to get naked with my feet. I don't want to touch with barefoot the nasty floor of a bathroom. You know, one time. This guy was so upset with me. He said, oh, well, if you don't want to change in the bathroom, this was when I was still young, you know, then I only have the kitchen and the kitchen is even more dirty. I said, you know what? It's okay. I want to go to the kitchen. Your fault. It's your fault. Then then you have to live with it. I'm, I warned you. Kitchen is more dirty, the floor. I said, you know what? Kitchen under my foot, food, you know, but I read it 
have food under my feet than having urine, you know, and other bacterial stuff that we know what's uh, in bathrooms. I said, it's okay, take me to the kitchen. And then when he was taking me to the kitchen, another person from the management saw that I'm supposed to change in, uh, change in uh, the kitchen. And then he yelled at the guy because he was like the second assistant manager. He yelled at him. He said, why is she changing here? Oh, because she doesn't want to change in the bathroom. She's tripping. You know, I heard him saying that from behind door. Mm. And then he said, are you stupid? Then take her to the office. I'm sure office is much better. Oh, but uh, it's not uh, allowed to, to go to the office, sir. You know how it is. We can't allow nobody. You know, it's forbidden. Nobody can go to the office. You know, there are important things in the office. He came to me, walked inside. He didn't even speak with him no more. He said, uh, Mrs. Jones, is it okay if we take you to the office? Will you be okay and comfortable in the office? I said, of course, sure. It's a little tight because of all the computers and the desks, and it's a little tight. I said, it's okay. Everything is okay uh, except a bathroom. And then he took me to the office with locked doors. He said, here, nobody will come in and see you naked or nothing. And your stuff is safe. We have keys. So I learned when you speak up, when you just don't accept something, people will, uh, do their best to help you out. But if you think, oh, I don't want to upset this organizer because next time maybe he will not hire me. I guarantee you next time he will hire Fatima Jones and not you because he will think highly of Fatima Jones than of you. You know, you need to fix your image. You know, this is what I mean. We have to teach these people. We are the teachers. Like you said, the whole community, you know, we are people. We have to show these people, hey, look, I'm an artist. I'm not just some person who's going to look a little sexy and shake the butt uh, for your guests. You know, I'm a artist and I, I went to dancing school I studied this for years I invested so much money in my costume I buy expensive Bella costumes you know do you know how much this costume costs and you want me to put this costume on in a bathroom excuse me you know I always used to say if it was at the weddings which is even more uh, ridiculous because at the wedding they usually have a, a special yes. suite for bride and groom but they don't want Absolutely. to let you I was like always yeah. looking I was like would you offer bride to change into her second wedding dress in the bathroom or would yes, you take her to exactly. the room <laughs> exactly that's a good question and it's a perfect question that you can always use you know for wedding situations and this is something they have to be aware of you know And sometimes people don't even mean it mean. Mm -hmm. They just don't know any better. So you have to teach them because yeah. you do know it better. And like I said, changing room is just one thing. I always say I need a mirror. I need a changing room where I can close the door. No one can come inside. And I need a bottle of water and a glass. Because before I start dancing, I always drink because my throat is always dry. And then when I come back from my show, you know, your throat is super dry, super dry, you know. So when I come, immediately my water is there too because I don't want to order my water and still wait for my water. Mm -hmm. So I want my mirror, my water, and a lockable door, you know. That's it. And I always get it because these are really not too much, Iana. What is this? This is ridiculous mm -hmm. that I even have to mention this, you know. They would never dare to uh, give uh, attitude to people like, I don't know, some famous singer or something or some famous person they hire, you know? 
but you are doing the same job. You are entertaining the guests in an artistic way. So why should you get treated bad? You know, one time I said my price to this one guy, he who's a doctor, he yelled at me. He said, I don't even make um, as much as you do. And I went to the university, blah, 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 blah. Per hour, he said, you know, I counted mm-hmm. your uh, money. Yeah, you yeah. know, I don't make as much. I said, but you work eight, ten hours a day, five, six times a week. I don't work that many hours a week. My hours is maybe just, you know, on the weekends, those two, three that you put together. And it's supposed to be enough for the whole week, that money I make on that weekend. You know, I'm like, you can't compare this stupid thought. Then <clears throat> he still yelled at me. And he said, it's still, he doesn't uh, agree that I deserve that money. And uh, this was someone who didn't know me in person either. And then I said, okay, uh, do you know how much Didem gets paid? This was when Didem was still on TV, uh, very famous with Ibrahim Tatasis. And he said, no. Then I told him her price. And then he shocked. He was shocked. I said, do you really think uh, just because I'm not dancing and on a TV show like her, famous like her, but doing the same job? I deserve not even this much because what I requested was still way under what Didem requests, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, so what the hell is your problem? And then he apologized, actually, and he said, okay. But another doctor, he never apologized. He was just stupid. Anyways, but you always come across these people. But you have to make your point across. When people also say, oh, but I had to pay the musicians. I had to pay this. I had to pay that. I don't have enough left. Then I tell them, okay, you know, when I go to the restaurant and the waiter comes with the bill, I don't say, oh, can I pay 40 euro instead of 60? Because before I came here, I bought myself some jeans and I had to pay some bills and I went to the post office, had to do this, and I lost so much money. Now I only have 40 euro left. Can I just pay 40 euro instead of the 60 euro here and the bill, you know? Finished. The restaurant, uh, in the restaurant, the waiter would look at you like you're crazy. So I, I told these guys always, excuse me, I'm sorry. I, I'm not your brother. I'm not your sister. I'm not your family. I don't have any emotional attachment to your costs. You know, this is something you have to budget yourself. And then if you think you can afford me, call back. If you can't, then I'm sorry. Then if you want, I give you a few names who take less, you know. And this is how I always did it. Either they said, okay, give me names who take less money and then I gave him really names, and uh, which my colleagues were happy about it, but I still don't like that either, honestly, but I still give names, or they accepted me, mm-hmm. you know, and this is something you have to teach. My husband told me always, you know, you're going to lose maybe a lot of jobs when you stay like that at first, but one day people will understand. They will understand, okay, she only comes for this money and finished we can't get her under that, then we will have to accept it. So, and it worked, you know, it worked. And uh, this is also what I suggest. Of course, when you're a beginner, you cannot request the same price of a professional who's been dancing 10 years and has so much, you know, knowledge and experience on her back. But you have to, even as a beginner, start uh, rising your, raising your price. Like you're absolutely beginning time you can even dance for free just to collect experience you know you can because the teaching uh values of your first performances 
is extremely important for your development as an artist and as a performer. So you can even dance for free if you feel like you're not going to get any shows. Dance for free. It's okay. But learn to grow. You know, learn to grow. Learn to understand, okay, now I can call myself a real professional. And now I will require, request better price. I'm going to request at least this much, you know. Finished. And then year by year by year, you, you know, take more and more. Finished. Because, uh, you know, we have a, a expiration date. We cannot dance until we're 80. <laughs> you know, we start looking not so good anymore. My expiration date is also close to the door. You know, I can only maybe dance another four or five years, then I'm done. I'm finished. And in these four or five years, I got to make sure I make enough where I can rest. You know, it's important. I also love uh, the principle and rule and completely new idea for me is uh, uh, loving nose. Nose in terms of people that don't hire you. Uh, they say like, no, I, I like going and hiring someone else because if you're only hearing yeses, if every single yes. person who calls you wants to hire you, It just means that you are underpricing your services. <laughs> absolutely. 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 Very good point. Because when you get the yes too quick, like uh, one time, I never forget, this was a rich person who hired me. And I knew he was rich. And I used the fact that um, it was very far, very far from where I live. I used that fact to make it extra expensive because mm -hmm. uh, I don't like to make different price because a person is rich you know I still like to stay honest to my price because when you do the same show same effort uh, hello you can't charge the person more just because he has more in his pockets it's not fair you know so I stay always true to my price but I added more because it was far then when I said the price he said so quick yes but like oh yes like I was like oh my god I guess I could have said three times more and you would have still said yes. I was like, damn, chance missed, you know. So you have to, of course, watch out when you give prices for those who don't charge much, I'm talking now, um, how quick people accept your offer, you know. If they fight with you, that means you are almost there. But if they say no a lot, then you at the good price. You know, because uh, if they fight you, like, no, 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 it's too much. I'm sorry. Oh, damn, please, or something. And then they say, no, thank you. Then I have to look more. Then you know you have the good price. Because either they come back for you, call you back, because they can't find nobody better than you. Or they find somebody cheaper, but that's not your business. You know, that's not your business it's anymore. It's not your client. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But if they accept it too easy, then really it's a... Uh, Thing that should make you think well twice. maybe they really really wanted exactly you so that's a different story <laughs> but uh, i was just yeah. more point putting a point that there has to be a balance between yes and no's it cannot yes. be you you don't even need to aim for all yes this is actually a bad thing yes. because Absolutely. it leads to overburn that we already talked about and it indicates that you are not pricing it correctly because if person uh There always will be people who will want it cheaper, but yes. if you don't get those people, it means you're at so cheap level according to your services and quality of your shows that you're basically just uh, 
really uh, harming yourself in this case. That's the only thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you have to have the self-respect for yourself and for your art. You have to remind yourself how many classes you took, how much money you invested in your education of dance background, how much money your costume costs, and you know, your time of getting, I always tell my uh, clients when they discuss with me my price, I always like, listen, num uh, number one, um, I don't uh, care about my dancing time. I don't care if I dance 10 minutes or 30 minutes. It doesn't make a big difference for me. Once I dance, I'm in it. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I care about the two hours of preparation for my makeup, my hair, my costumes, my this, my that, you know, do you know how much work that is, you know, then getting there. Then after you finish the show, you still got to come home and take all the nasty makeup off, take a shower, get the stuff out your hair, out your face. That's to me a lot more stressful than the dance itself. I charge you for those things. I don't charge you for the performance yes. there. You know, that's sometimes fun for me. I enjoy that, you know, so I don't care. But I charge you more. So for all the preparation before and uh, the after work, you know, after the show, that's all included in the price. And all your experience and study years Absolutely. that allowed you to do the show. <laughs> Absolutely. and costumes Absolutely. and costs for car for gas for all for cosmetics yeah, also, even <laughs> also you're making your costume old but each time you're yes. dancing you're ruining your costume you are making your car old you know every time you drive there and stuff you know so the usage of these things you have to also the makeup you buy expensive makeup you know All these things cost money over the years together. You have to charge for that extra. And then your performance still extra, you know? So that's why you have to count your price really smart, you know? And normally, this is another thing I learned in the last uh, few, two years. Back in the days, I would discuss a lot and uh, would try to tell them like, hey, I'm sorry, it's because this, because that. I learned now, and this is what I've been doing the last two years, it works perfectly for me. When they say, oh, can you do something with the price? I'm like, oh, it, no, I'm sorry. Um, but if you want, uh, I give you the number of a friend of mine. She danced for XYZ amount, you know? And then they, they, they get shocked, like, because without even dealing and bargaining and, you know, nothing... Nothing. Like, I go immediately, I give you the number of someone, you know? I don't even listen. I don't discuss. I immediately tell them, I totally understand you don't have the budget for me. Uh, it's okay. I feel you. I know I'm expensive. But I give you the number of someone who might be in your budget. And then they get so shocked. They're like, oh, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Wait, wait. Uh, um, yeah, but we want you. Um, but then I'm sorry. You know my price. I told you. You know what? Just... Call me when you make up your decision, okay? If you still want somebody else, write me. I give you a few numbers. Then they never want the names and numbers. They call me a week later and tell me they still want me. You know, this is something you have to learn. When you make the people think there is room, you know, for bargaining, you know, like uh, deal, like try to put the uh, price down. When you give them the feeling there is room for discussion, They will do their best to put your money down. Don't give them no room, no, no discussion. 
make them feel like, oh, she's serious. She doesn't even want to hear. She's not pretending, you know? So especially when it's Oriental people, because Oriental people, they believe that you purposely give a high amount. So when you start dealing, you know, so there's space for negotiation. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no. They have to understand this is not your negotiation price. This is your actual price, the end price, the tag, you know, price tag. Have your price tag and it's not reducible. With that said, I remember a funny story because I was performing a lot for different communities and I was working in Toronto that we have Turkish, Egyptian, uh, Persian, mm-hmm. Iraqi. So it's different, but there is common trends among uh, all, all those communities. So one organizer who was specifically working with one of the communities, uh, he advised me like, no, 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 no. Put your prices, like, I know your prices, they are, like, good, they're high, they're not the cheapest, far not the cheapest in the city, but they're reasonable for what you do. But, like, whenever someone calls you, tell them higher just so that you can give them a discount because people just want to receive a discount. Sometimes it's not even about their budget. It's just a part of their, like, how they behave is everything. (laughs) This is in our culture. They always uh, want to do that, you know? They count with that. And I had to teach them, um, I am Turkish, I am from this culture, but I grew up in Germany. I live after the German business style, you know, and German business style, this is the price finished. That's the price. There's nothing you can do about, you know, they give you the end price. There is no negotiation here, there, this, that, and no. So I try to teach them, I am Turkish, but you get a German deal here. You only get a German deal because I'm on Germany ground, you know? Yeah. So they accepted. And I, I guess really, if peop, uh, if dancers are smart, they can use some of my tips. They will see it works. It oh, really yes. works. I can confirm because I you, I was listening to you. I was like, Am I, you, are you taking words from my mind? Because that's exactly the <laughs> phrases I was using. So I can only say yes. it works. It really works. It works. Regardless, yes. are you... Turkish or not Turkish because I'm not (laughs) yes this advice is for everyone you know I am just saying the Turkish part because unfortunately uh people always think uh, because I'm Turkish I am giving extra high price you know so when I negotiate it comes down to the right price um that's why I mentioned my Turkishness but it goes for everyone globally universal this is a universal thing like everywhere in the world Teach the people, this is my price. Like when you go into the store and you pick up a dress, it has a price tag. And you cannot go to the cashier and say, uh, can I pay the half for this? You know? No, you have to pay what says on the price tag. Same way you have to treat your price. Make sure they accept your price like a price tag. It can't go down. Unless there is a sale, you know, like sale times. Uh, for in the stores you know Uh, you can do also like hey for example sometimes uh, this uh, one place hires me every year for some event they do every year it's on a Wednesday at two o'clock every year on the same Wednesday Mm -hmm. of the month two o'clock that's not stopping me from my evening classes teaching classes you know it's not stopping me from my weekend shows and I'm done so quick, I still have the whole day in front of me. And it's so close to my house. So I told these people, they have to pay only half price. You know, then I give them a half price because 
it really doesn't bother me. It's like a thing, you know, but I make sure they understand this price is so cheap because of that. Or you can make a cheaper price when you dance in a place you dance every week there. Of course, you cannot charge that person the same price. You're charging a person who's going to hire you maybe once every five years. You know, it's just not fair. Mm. So there also you can go down on your price. And another thing, for example, there's this one um, home for old people. Uh, I don't know what do you call it in English. You know, the home where old yes, people stay. Uh, oh, now I forgot the word too. <laughs> I know, me too. It's totally out my mind. But you know what I mean. Yes. So, and they have a summer fest always uh, in June, sometimes in July. And the first time they called me, this was 10 years ago, um, they told me their budget is l- small. And I said, no problem. This was also during a week. Also early show because it's like a summer fest outside mm-hmm. when the sun shines for the old people. And I don't know, the woman, she spoke so sweet and innocent. And I kind of felt she's not trying to rip me off. She just really wants me so bad, but really can't afford me, still wish me to come. And I don't know, for some reason, I felt like I want to do her this favor. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you a super cheap price. I come for 200 euro. That's like a gift for me. And uh, for 200 euro, I mean, I don't even touch my makeup thing, you know? Um, I was like, but you know what? I'm going to come. Don't worry. Then I went there. Some were in wheelchair. Some were like in the laying bed. They couldn't even move, you know, like um, they were laying in a bed. And um, they were so touched. Some were crying as they were watching me. When I got close to them, I kissed them. I hugged them. They cried. I went home and I felt so shameful that I even took the 200 euro. You know, I felt so shameful. At the same time, I was so happy that I even, you know, uh, did this 200 euro thing. uh, Because 200 euro for me is really like dancing for free. Um, So I told my husband, if they call me next year again, um, I'm going to do it again. And then when they called me next year, I told her, I come for free. It's okay. And then the lady said, no, 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 no. Please, we will feel so guilty. Uh, 200 euro is maybe nothing for you, but we will still feel like we're paying you because for us it's a lot, you know. Please give us this joy that we hire you. We We don't want to feel guilty. Oh, God, I think I cried again there, you know, because she made me feel so... Ah, It was just so crazy. And ever since then, for more than 10 years, I've been dancing for these old people. And one time I couldn't because I had an operation and a surgery, you know, um, I couldn't. And I sent a friend of mine. She's a very good dancer, very pretty woman. But she said they were heartbroken because old people are like kids, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't understand so many things. They get emotionally attached and they don't understand too much. They just want what they're used to. And I said, I'm so sorry, but next year I'm back. And this year, unfortunately, I don't know because of Corona, if they can do it, if they will do it, because it's even forbidden to go in there, you know, for the old people, it's very dangerous. So I doubt it. They're going to do it. And if they do it, I doubt it. They're going to hire me. It's going to make them probably sad. But these are the exceptions I'm talking about, examples, when and why and how you can reduce your price depending on certain circumstances, you know, and you don't have to feel cheap. 
when you do that. And that so, comes from your decision and your absolutely. sincere decision, not by absolutely. pressure from the third side. Because absolutely. if you're taking, uh, if you're letting the third person, like whoever calls you, pressure you into the discount, then you're basically yes. setting up another trap for yourself. Because those people, then they come whenever in the future, they will not remember that you did a discount. They will only remember the number that they paid you and they will ask now another discount because they are returning clients. So your price will have to go even more down because like, oh, I'm returning client. Absolutely. I kind of feel like today's discussion, it's one of those like must listens for all belly dancers. Although oh, all our listeners see. right now, like you already <laughs> listened. <laughs> So you already done the check mark, but don't forget to share with your friends because absolutely, I will share it with all of them. And every single of our listeners, I think, uh, uh, should share because it just provokes you to think about so many topics and things that we. I feel we talk today about traps, traps yes, that we create traps. for ourselves as a community yes. and as individuals. And absolutely. this is something that every single belly dancer needs. To, th- to agree with us or like you or mine, whatever separate uh, idea yes. or topic, like not maybe not to agree, but with opinions, everyone has their own opinion, but at least to think about that. Absolutely. Because sometimes we are Absolutely. too focused on our training, on our like business, where to get work or what to do. Yep. We are not thinking about uh, that our sometimes short time solutions create uh, long time problems. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a perfect way you put it together. It's really just like that, you know. And I always say, like, just to sum it up, Mm -hmm. you know, everything we talked about, try to go different ways, not always the same old ways. Try to get a general, normal, outside the community uh, audience for your um, art form. Um, Show more love and understanding and respect within each other don't judge you don't know the background of whoever why she's there never judge because everyone has their own reasons why they're doing how they're doing what they're doing you know don't judge and during all this time protect yourself protect yourself because you will be a very depressed frustrated uh exhausted dancer one day if you don't protect yourself from those little points I was mentioning and we talked about you know uh, from dealing with your money to how much you dance to how many shows you accept don't accept too many shows because the money sounds so good in your ear or you think it's fun because eventually you're gonna be exhausted then protect your image protect everything you can and you have and do always what makes you really happy you know and don't do things because you think you should uh because it's what people expect from you you know and say no don't be scared to be judged as a diva show your teeth be a lioness you know don't be a mouse be you know like show them (laughs) hey don't fool with me we need this because we are very fragile in our costumes in our image we are very fragile you know so we have to show no i you're looking at a lioness here you know we're not uh, any little mouse you know so these are things i would really like to add Mm, those are very beautiful reminders uh, for for all ballet dancers, uh, 
Well, before I ask you our final summary question of the podcast, I would love to ask you where can our listeners follow you and follow your activities? Uh, what is your favorite current social media, maybe? Or you mentioned that you took down your website. So where are the places that can people just follow your beautiful dancing and uh, maybe hear a little bit more from you in your current uh, events and upcoming events too? <laughs> That's... Good question. Very easy at the moment, mainly on Facebook, uh, because as I told you before, uh, I'm uh, in two months, I will be in the States. So I'm extremely busy packing up stuff here and cl closing down stuff, everything here so that I will be so busy and not really able to take care of social media stuff. But Once I'm in the States, I uh, discussed this with my husband too. I'm going to do a lot more uh, social media appearances, including TikTok. I think I'm going to create a TikTok video channel. I th think that's so fun. I don't know. I just like that. Maybe it's because women feel different with these things. You know, we like <laughs> these things. And Facebook is the most actual uh, active uh social media which i'm using um but like i said once uh i'm in the states i will add uh tiktok and i will be a lot more active on instagram because i've been really neglective to uh instagram and kind of like yeah being not so good on that um I'm going to change that too because I like Instagram. It's just when you're so busy all day with other stuff, you don't always take time for every social media platform yeah. and you act you usually uh, active on that, which is already so successful. And for now it's more Facebook for me, but I will add the other one. So now they can check me on Facebook and in the future uh, they can, Find me on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll definitely uh, include links in the show notes to your uh, Facebook. I know you have a several Facebook. I, at least I found a several Facebook mm -hmm. pages with mm -hmm. your name. So I'll ask you yes. later which one <laughs> is the most well, uh, actual. Uh, yeah, so I can include I, the link. <laughs> yes, yes. That happened, just to explain it real quick. I had one only and the fan page but the fan page people just don't like the fan pages uh, always uh, on facebook so and i had like um beside i had full list uh, on facebook my main account and the problem was i still had three four thousand extra friend requests and it just got so much i thought okay i can't accept these people but they will be sad you know i'm talking about people whom i actually meet or people who are friends of my friends or something, you know, I'm not talking about any strangers, strangers, I don't care, they can just follow me, you know, subscribe me or something. But those are really real people. So I opened up a second account to give them a chance to, mm -hmm. to be in touch with me. That's the explanation. <laughs> But I still show you the main one. You know? Okay, so I can include link. And also, I know you yes. have Instagram page, so I will include it too, even if it's yes. not that active. <laughs> too. People can already subscribe. <laughs> yes, I will be very active um, soon, very soon, so no problem. Well, I also feel it's a good timing that we are doing this interview uh, right now, not in the middle of your move <laughs> to another continent. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so with which I also wish you good luck with this new Thank chapter. You so much, and I'm pretty sure it will be very exciting and uh, many opportunities that uh, will come. Uh, maybe in different shapes or form that you expect them now, but they will definitely, yes. they are all 
already waiting for you there. So that would yes. be very exciting to follow your uh, your your journey there. Uh, yes. And I also want to uh, really thank you for taking I your time. You. And uh, we went uh, a little bit longer. I hope it's okay with yes. your today's schedule. <laughs> My, for me, it's okay. I just hope the listeners won't be bored. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely no. Like this was such a generous oh, uh, conversation with so many thank insights. You so much. And uh, I... Um, I would love to ask, uh, we have a signature traditional question that I ask mm -hmm. every single guest at the end of the interview, okay. regardless of what we talked throughout. And before we come to that, I want to get rid of something that's sure. uh, on my chest. I want to thank you so deeply for this amazing work you're doing. This oh. costs so much time and energy to do all these interviews with all these amazing artists. I listened to a few of them. And I was like so impressed and you leaving such a treasure for the world because in all these interviews, um, there's so much insightful thoughts and, uh, you know, the soul of the artists spoken out, which we don't get to usually hear so easily. And you collect them like a treasure. It's so nice. And I know it requires so much work because you have to do all the uh, editings or recordings. I don't know, posting it and keeping the website always active and nice and updated. I just want to show you my extreme love and respect for this uh, absolutely adorable, admirable action of yours. This is extremely beautiful and i pray to god that you will get rewarded in some kind of artistic <laughs> way from some art god and gives you so much happiness and joy in your art oh, is my wish thank you so much for such a kind words and i really really appreciate and uh, this is such an honor for me to to be the host and uh, uh to be that uh uh Trans uh, I forgot the word that I had in my <laughs> mind. But thank you so much. Like uh, just You're to be able here. to put this you. into the world uh, that uh, it's happened to be me. <laughs> I'm really, it's, it's really, uh, really happy about this, and uh, it's a big honor for me to also uh, have such a trust from so many talented uh, people and artists, including you, who actually agree to participate. Uh, without knowing me, without maybe not knowing much about the project and what to expect, because <laughs> yes, I told we don't have a script here. <laughs> it's a total, like, total improv uh, conversation. But uh, although yeah, I said, signature. although I said that there is no script, we kind of have a couple of scripts, uh, scripted questions okay. here, and one of them is our summary question, which I'm really curious to know uh, your reply to it. And the question is. What makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? This is actually very easy. Um, many reasons, many ways. Oh my God, this is so beautiful, the question. The thing is, number one, I think this dance in its nature, it's extremely perfectly designed for the soul of the woman um please male dancers do please not feel disrespected i'm not trying to you all have the right artists are always art and love art and can feel connected to art but 
especially as a woman, I must say this, I have students who come there who become so masculine in daily lives because they have to maybe raise a child alone as a single mother, or they have to prove themselves in a company that they're strong enough and, uh, you know, confident enough and masculine enough to get the same position and money like another male co-worker, you know. So during this whole process of living, especially in modern countries, women forget to be 100% fully women, you know. Um, we become half men, half woman, you know. And belly dance is the only dance when you dance and you move your body to the music, you enjoy 100% your womanhood. You can 100% move like a woman, behave and act and feel like a woman and don't feel weak or uh, less than a man because you're acting feminine, you know? Uh, you're still powerful because you have your audience falling in love with you, going down on their knees like, oh my God, wow, this is so pretty, you know? So as you're being a 100% woman in your actions, in your expression, in your emotions, you're still keeping that power with you. This is something I think no other dance can give you, you know, and no other dance you can find it like this. So this is one of the reasons I say is absolutely uh, something you can't escape it. I think no matter how much you hate belly dance uh, or don't know about it, even if a Chinese or, or, or a Russian or I don't know, Latin woman, the moment they see a woman moving sensual uh, to some Arabic sounds or Oriental music, they will feel something inside. You know, they will feel, oh my God, why is it making me feel so <gasps> something inside? I want to do it too. You know, it will always make you feel like that because it's the most and best designed dance for women and their soul and their bodies. And this is also one of the oldest art forms in the world of human history, you know, human life. So um, I think that's why it has so much power that other dance can't compete with it, in my opinion, you know? That's beautiful. And it's, and it's healthy. Don't you agree with me with the feminine thing, you know? Because we always have to prove we can change the tire of our car. We can do this. We can do that. We can carry this. We can do the same profession as men can do. We want equal rights, you know? And during this time, we lose this feminine side, this softness, this, the beauty. We get scared. We will be judged. We will lose our credits, you know? No. In this dance, we can be 100% ourselves without losing all that power. And that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.